I always say I have the best job in the world. I get to help women unlock their limitless potential so they can have it all. If your mind is saying you can't have it all, that's fear running the show. I'm here to tell you, the only thing between you and holistic success is you. The doors to Limitless Warrior are officially open. Join Limitless Warrior. It's time to dig deep and shine bright. It's time to permanently break up with fear. If you want all the holistic success you've been dreaming of, join us. It's a 12-week program, once a week, on a Zoom for 90 minutes. Get off that hamster wheel and be the limitless woman you know you are inside. The link to save your spot is limitless-warrior.com. Join us. Women aren't born warriors. We become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who, through tragedy and triumph, are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Happy Galentine's Day to all you warrior women. Did you know that Galentine's Day is now an official holiday? Yes, it's now on February 13th. See what we do when we come together for good, ladies? I love it. Like recognizing our best friends, that's really the greatest thing we can do. Well, today we're going to come together to save lives. Today's podcast is a wake-up call for women to put ovarian cancer on their radar. Ovarian cancer is one of the deadliest cancers, and it is not detected by a pap smear, something I did not know. 22,000 women are diagnosed every year, and it has a 50% mortality rate. We're going to hear a story of a mother going from tragedy to triumph and honoring her daughter. Sometimes we find our purpose and strength in the most unlikely and unforeseen places. Remember, sometimes it's the story we don't want to tell that is our story. That leads to our purpose and fuels our vision. I love you, Galentines. Remember to sign up for emails so we can stay connected and so you can be invited to my workshops and programs. Go to lizswadick.com to sign up for my list and you'll be the first to know. Need connection? Accountability? Support as you explore the next level version of you? Give yourself a real gift this year, the gift of time. The Warrior Women Mastermind is starting again in January, a curated group of six amazing women in a safe, collaborative setting. Think you don't have enough time? The money? Wrong. Ask yourself if you're worth three hours a month and $25 a day. The biggest discovery some of the women who sign up for my mastermind figure out is they have so much in common with other women and that they have traded their worth for a to-do list. Set up your interview call with me by going to lizswadek.com. That's L-I-Z-S-V-A-T-E-K.com. Space is limited and will sell out fast. Don't miss this opportunity to put yourself first. Today on the show, Paulinda Schimmel-Babini. 
Paulinda settled into Los Angeles in 1975, relocating from Valley Stream, New York. She was soon a busy wife, mother of a son and a daughter, and a businesswoman who owned a successful digital imaging company for over 40 years. Her life turned upside down in 2004 when her 17-year-old daughter, Robin, was diagnosed with stage three ovarian cancer. Robin vigorously fought the battle, but lost her dynamic life just two and a half years after her diagnosis. She died at the young age of 20. To honor Robin's memory and shine a light on her legacy, Polinda founded the nonprofit, The Ovarian Cancer Circle, inspired by Robin Babini. It is her passionate, tireless commitment to heighten awareness of the signs and symptoms of this stealth cancer, particularly amongst young women. She devotes her days working at a community outreach throughout Southern California, attending health fairs, seminars, and women's conferences, as well as lobbying in Washington, D.C. Fundraising is the key to research and clinical trials that will lead to ovarian cancer being conquered. The Circle has to date raised $950,000. Wow, Paulinda. Welcome to the show, Paulinda. Thank you. Hi. Thank you for having me. Holy moly, $950,000. You could just teach someone a class on how to raise money. There's your gift right there. It's a a lot of work, but you know, I make it happen. I make it happen. I I can imagine. Thank you for coming on the show. I want to raise awareness. Let's start though with your amazing daughter, Robin. Can you tell us about her and about her before the diagnosis and, and also how you found out? So Robin was very active. She was very charismatic. She was very involved with her high school. She was student body president. She was homecoming queen. She was just one of those kind of kids that did it all and loved every second of it. And around 16, she started feeling, she starts having symptoms like a nausea. She would be nauseous. She would have back pain. She would get indigestion when she ate. We had no idea that was any symptoms of ovarian cancer. She continued to go to school. She was not bedridden, so we didn't take it seriously. But the symptoms did not go away, and she ended up in the emergency room. They didn't know what it was. They thought a cyst had burst. So they did a CAT scan, and then they realized, you know, she had four large tumors. With ovarian cancer, you don't know if it's benign or malignant until you operate. So, of course, we were hoping that it would be benign, but it wasn't. It was stage three ovarian cancer. So that was the start of a very tough time. She had chemo. Of course, she lost her hair. At the beginning, that was her biggest worry or like the thing that bothered her the most. But of course, that became very insignificant when the disease progressed. Ovarian cancer has an 80% chance of recurring. And when we left at the sixth chemo, when she was done, thinking we were going to be okay, that's when they told me that. I just thought, oh my God, please let us be on the side that doesn't. Uh, recur, but it had come back. Six months later, she started having symptoms again and it recurred. Uh, she needed another surgery and metastasized, which meant it had spread into her intestines. And they told us she was chronic, that she would always be on some sort of treatment. And that's how she lived the next year of her life, trying to go to school. She got accepted to UCSB. She joined a sorority, Kappa Kappa Gamma. Do you know that sorority? I do. I, I, well, I was a theta, so I guess I was her rival. So now I feel really bad, but, I, but I'm happy that she even got to do yes. anything like that. That makes where did, where did you go to school? I went to Rollins in Florida. 
Oh, okay. She got it, had enough strength to start a freshman year and she was determined to live as a regular kid. So she did. And she um, got as far as her second, first semester in her sophomore year. She was just not in great shape. She was always feeling, not feeling well and she had to come home. So it was uh, very difficult. I mean, first of all, just uh, the thought of being 17, 16 and 17 and taking this on and having this is just so, it's so heartbreaking to me. And obviously mm-hmm. losing a child is every, every mother's worst nightmare. This is Absolutely. Know, losing a child is the ultimate, even knowing you're walking around. Right, right. It I is mean, the worst thing. It's just, yeah. it's really. Yeah, yeah. It, it is stuff. the worst Sorry. thing that could happen. You know, I had my children very late. So grateful that I was able to have them and have a daughter, which is so special. Whoever would think something like this would happen. It was just unbelievable. 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 How did you handle that? I mean, what did you do? Well, let me just say that Robin was my always my inspiration and my strength. She took this on with strength and I would always be crying and she would go, Mom, stop crying. She built me up. (laughs) Yeah, she would always pull me up. And when we knew that she wasn't going to make it, she was pretty, you know, like not confident, but she understood. And I, you know, I also have a son and that helped a lot, you know, because it was like I still had another child and very important. And I was still going to be mom. You had to go on for him. Yes, absolutely. Even when Robin was so sick, he was only in 10th grade. I was very determined to keep him on track. You know, even when she was in the hospital, I would come back, make sure he had dinner and I was set up for homework. And at the time I had a husband, so we kind of worked it together. So, yeah, he was able to stay on track. You just go on. You know, you have two choices. You crawl in a cave or you make a difference. And I chose to go make a difference and shine a light on her life. And, you know, she was that kind of a person. She had left such a big footprint in the community. She was very involved in the city of West Hollywood and, like I said, her school and UCSB. I still go there and I speak to the Kappas and I give an award every year to an outstanding Kappa. So I'm educating these young women about ovarian cancer. I give out bookmarks. I had sent you and showed you the bookmark with the symptoms. That's my comfort. That's my where I get all my inspiration and my motivations from Robin. She, if she had lived, she would have done the same thing. So, yeah. Okay. I wasn't going to mention this, Paulinda, but I was thinking of you because my daughter, same kind of thing. Like she had a stomach thing. I kind of was like, oh, it's no big deal because she's kind of perky. I had a stomach thing too during COVID. It kind of went away. I thought hers was going to go away too. And it didn't go away and it got worse. And by the time we, you know, went and checked on it, we got a colonoscopy and it was ulcerative colitis. And it, you know, I definitely have a little like guilt about that. Like, Oh God, I wish I'd like, you know, run her there sooner. I don't think it would have actually changed the outcome because this is an immune kind of disease. But I think of you because she's 12. So when I take her to this infusion place to get her Remicade infusions every six weeks. She's the youngest person in there. She's like 12 years old in her pajama pants, cute as a button and everybody else is in there, you know, uh, you know, so I think of you. So, so tell me, tell me. Yeah, so so <laughs> I had a similar, similar situation. Robin used to get blood transfusions and we'd go also, and they'd look at me thinking I was the patient. I would have to say, no, it's Robin. And they just couldn't believe it. You know, this young person, Look, you know, she looked pretty okay, but the same situation where, and I, 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 I hope that your daughter 
does okay. And I mean, that she's, she's in treatment now and that she'll be fine. And, you know, as a mom, it's, it's very difficult. And uh, it's, well, it makes yeah. us warriors, Polenta. That's why, I, that's why I have a heart for you. But I also would say that, you know, just like you were saying like, oh, I wish I'd kind of, you know, I'd notice the symptoms, but here she, you know, but you were saying she'd say she was nauseous and then how would she get ready for school? So she would have, she had great style and great taste and she'd come out of her room dressed to the nines, drop dead gorgeous. And, and then still say, mom, I'm nauseous. And then she'd go off to school. And, you know, she was a teenager that would like to stay out late at night and call me and like midnight, where are you? And these are all the reasons why I didn't take her symptoms seriously because her tolerance for pain must have been quite high. And she just was determined to be a teenager and live her life and have fun. And this was just in the way. This was just it was a time when we said we have to go for a second opinion. And I live in the Hollywood Hills and she had to go to Cedars for the second opinion. And she, and, it, and she went to a school right down the block from Cedars. And even then it was like, I don't want to go. I don't have time. I got things to do and places to be. And uh, yeah, it was a big interruption, I'm sure, with your daughter, too. Like yeah. she has to like stop to get her treatment and it's in the way. You know, does she have so- symptoms after or side effects where she has to uh No, it, it's almost like I always describe it to people. Her treatments are like a fire hose. So by the time she gets to like the sixth week, like it's this week, actually, it's Thursday. By the time she gets to the week where she needs to go, she'll start having like a little stomach ache or stomach will feel a little off. And it's anxiety and then- too. You get the anxiety. Robin yeah. and I used to walk around them because with chemo, you know, you get nauseous and the side effects are pretty severe. And and she would just have been feeling better and it was time to get another treatment. And so the nauseousness, it would come just psychologically. You start thinking about it and you start getting sick. And we used to walk around the block a few times at the hospital to kind of calm down. Her, yeah, just kind of like give her uh, air or I don't know what, a breather or just build up a confidence or I can do it. And yeah, she like I said, she gave me a... Uh, a lot of strength that I didn't know I had. Same as you. Same as me, warrior mothers together. Tell me about the ovarian cancer circle inspired by Robin Babini. What is your mission? So two goals, of course, educating, which is really critical because many people know nothing about ovarian cancer. You really don't pay attention to it unless it touches your life. And we didn't either. If I had known then what I know now, Robin would be here because I would have been on it in a second. But so educating is very critical to what I do. I'm passionate about it. I, I save women's lives. I, I noticed you were uh, underlying pap tests, pap smears. Yes. Because women don't know that pap smear has nothing to do with ovarian cancer. It's cervical cancer. Yes. Uh, women come to me all the time and say, well, I've had my pap. Nothing to do with ovarian cancer. There is no early detection test for ovarian cancer, which is why women get diagnosed very late. I just want to interject that Chris Everett, I don't know if you know, read that. Yeah. No, what I, oh, I know her. She just, she just got diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Oh, really? She has stage oh. one. The reason she was caught so early is because her sister died from ovarian cancer and they carry the BRCA gene. Are you, are you familiar with that? Yes. yes. That's for ovarian and breast. So they have that in their family. Of course, they didn't know that. They didn't get genetic testing. So her sister didn't know. But Chris decided to get a preventive hysterectomy. And that's when they caught it. Wow. 
at stage one, so she'll be fine. And that's usually how we, some women get diagnosed. They go in for something else and they find it. I emphasize genetic testing. I emphasize education. I talk about advocacy. If you feel the, any of the symptoms, which would you like me to say a couple of them? Well, we're going to get into that in a minute, but I just want to know a little more about like what the mission of your, yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's that. education is one of my really serious goals yes. and fundraising because yeah. we're very committed to uh, research. Like I said, there's no early detection test and needing better treatments, better therapies. So and all of our money goes to a gynecologic oncologist at UCLA, Dr. Mamara day. So that's the two prongs two of the organization. Right? Yes. Okay. So you mentioned that ovarian cancer is one of the deadliest uh, mm-hmm. gynecological cancers, has mm-hmm. a 50% mortality rate and cannot mm-hmm. be detected by a pap smear. I just want to say that again, mm-hmm. because it is kind of like women kind of put these th- two things together, Cervi- mm-hmm. cervical cancer and ovarian. It's not the same. You cannot detect it with a pap smear. Let's talk about the signs like you were talking about. So, so some of the symptoms, and as I did send you a bookmark, and I do give them out everywhere and anywhere. If, like at any time I'm having a discussion with somebody, I whip out one of my bookmarks. So like it could be nauseousness, it could be bloating, it could be frequent urination, it could be constipation, symptomatic of other diseases, which is why it gets misdiagnosed a lot. And most women, when they have these symptoms, they think urinary tract infection or gastrointestinal, that's the direction they go. However, if you feel the symptoms There's two things you should do. And one of them is go to a gynecologist and get a transvaginal ultrasound, which is a probe that they put up you and they can see your uh, uterus and, you know, your ovaries. And ovarian cancer starts in the fallopian tubes. It does not start in the ovaries. So that's an, they didn't know that back then. They should have called, called it fallopian tube cancer. And also a CA-125, which is a blood test. That's another way for them to, detect if there's something not right. Anything over 35 is suspicious. So those are, you know, that's it. Those are the two things. But of course, I didn't know to ask for either of them back when Robin went to the gynecologist and he didn't ask because of her young age. So I'm very adamant when I talk about that. I tell women, be proactive. Don't wait. Get those two things. And if it's not that, you just take that off the list. Those are just two. That's one thing you can say. Good. It's not that. And did you have a history of ovarian cancer in your no. family or any type of cancer? Nope, nope, no, All no. No reason you wouldn't even think, right? No, BRCA. In fact, one time I was listening on the radio and they talked about CA-125, the blood test, the blood. Oh, I think I'll go get one of those. Prior to all this happening, I just was like, I heard it and I thought, eh, you know what? Why not? No ovarian cancer. Our family doesn't have much cancer in it. That's not what people die from. But yeah, what did you know anything about ovarian cancer before I brought it to your attention? Nope. Right. Most women don't. That's I why to- I wanted to have you on, Polinda, because I was like, you know, I realize a lot of the women that are listening are like me and they were like, they think one is the other and they think a pap smear is going to do it and that's just going to call it a day, you know, but no, that's not what it is. And I want to say also that ovarian cancer has an 80% chance of recurring. And so that's another thing women don't know. And uh, that's why a lot of women lose their lives because it comes back and over and over again. Got to catch it early. Like anything. But I have to say, Robin suffered so much that when it came, she was eight months bedridden and she couldn't eat anymore and she couldn't go to the bathroom. So when you're in that kind of shape, where you're going, it used to kill me that I was healthy 
And she, I said, why wasn't it me? You know, why couldn't I be the one? I mean, I had already lived a good portion of my life. She was a kid. So that was a big guilt on my head all the time. And when she started, we knew she was going to not make it. I thought, let's just get this over with. But that's not how they do it in California. And uh, I have to say, when she did pass, well, two things I wanted to say is if she had lived and suffered to continually, that would have been a big drag on my life, too, because when your child is not well, it affects the whole family. Yes. So it was a tragedy. but. She only was lasted two and a half years after a diagnosis. And uh, and now I've made it her legacy. You know, yes. people know about her and uh, her memory is, is lasting and goes on. And I, you know, you've, I think, you know, maybe look at the website. Some of the things has, have happened because of her. What yes, I'm doing. Let's talk about some of those things that have happened. First of yeah. all, how in the world did you raise $950,000? That's amazing. So I'm a big proponent of networking. I ask if anybody's interested to speak at any kind of women's organizations, any schools, temples, anywhere where there's a group of people. And I have a wheel with 16 questions and they're pretty like not very heavy technology questions. People are always like learn so much from that. So I like I do a lot of seminars. I do a lot of speaking engagements. I do health fairs. I go to Washington, D.C. and advocate for more money and people get interested and they support the cause. That's what it takes. I think if you wanted to start a nonprofit, you've got to get out there and speak. And like how I met you. Right. Yeah. We met. Yeah. We met at the Broad Network event. You gave me your card and you said, I want to come on your podcast. And I said, "Okay, great. I definitely will have you on. And then I lost your card. (laughs) And then I had to hunt down anyone that I thought knew you so I could get you on. So I got so because I made that promise and I don't often do that. Normally I say, oh, we'll see. You know, let me figure out if you're right. But with your story, I was like, you're coming. That's a very compelling story. People here, a young woman, they think old women get the disease. It's not a but I have to say, since I've been in the ovarian cancer world, yes, young women do get it. So I, I knew I had I, this was a, my mission. You know, Robin said to me when she was sick, she said, Mom, there has to be a reason why this has happened. She, Robin was very wise and an old soul. She had been around, you know, and even the way she handled it was very much stronger than me. So she deserves to be continued. Her legacy needs to be continued. She was a very special kind of person. Absolutely. So, Tell me the biggest lesson you think you've learned all of this could be in any kind of capacity. Well, I've learned how much stronger I am than I thought. I really didn't know I had this much resilience and I pulled myself up. And like I said before, I decided I had to make a difference. I was never one to be a president or out there speaking. But I, I one of the things I do is I have a And you're going to ask me about my mantra, but it is, I can do it. And I just, even if I'm nervous or I don't know, I don't have enough confidence. I just keep saying to myself, you can do it. You can do it. And I do it. And I just get out there and get through it. You know, the fundraisers are very intense, putting these fundraisers together. They take a lot of time. And I have a team. I think I might've mentioned that to you. There's 12 women on my team, devoted volunteers And I have a mentor who I always go to and ask, what does she think and her advice? And she gives very good judgment. I have a writer who writes beautifully anytime I need something written. I have a graphic artist who puts all my artwork together. I have a treasurer 
who helps me with the money. So I'm, I, I reach out to all the people delegate. That's what I have to do. You delegate to the, your people who give you the strength that where you don't know that you're not strong enough. That's where you can go. So thank God. I'm very grateful that I have a, a bunch of wonderful women around me to lift me and support me. And that's also how raise funds because they reach out to their network. Yes. Just a, a little story. I also was a photo retoucher. That was my business. And one of my clients, she was a model and actress, um, ended up getting ovarian cancer. So she looked me up on Google, you know, no, she looked up about ovarian cancer and there I was, you know, and she remembered Robin because she used to come to my house when Robin was a little girl. So she joined the circle and she happened to marry well. She brought in all her group of friends. And when we did a little, uh, not a little, but we did a walk, virtual walk around last year and just her little, her group raised $12,000. Just, you know, a bunch of friends. So that's another way too, by being out there in the community and people who are touched by ovarian cancer, they want to support it. And, yeah. and Dr. Mamarza Day comes to all our events and she speaks and she talks about her research. And that gives people the, the confidence or the, the interest and say, well, look, God, we'll support this because it it's not like you give money and yeah, you don't know where it's going. Thing. Yes. It's yes. very specific and very transparent. And people like to see that when they donate. It's very important. Every year I, when I reach out to, I have certain charitable funds, people that donate every year. And I put a, we put a letter together about the current research to let them know we're making progress. So. I love it. Well, how, what do you think it's going to take to eradicate ovarian cancer? Like you're kind of on the front lines. You kind of see a bunch of things. You're going to Washington, you're raising money. What do, what do you think it's really going? I to think take? it takes a more of a public profile, like people like a Chris Everett, like Christina Anapur. You know who that is? Oh, yes. Yeah. She also just was, she's in treatment or just finished her treatment. She's also, did you know she had ovarian cancer too? No, I did not know that. Yeah, well, and now Obama's mom died from ovarian cancer. Mm. Even a person like Angelina Jolie, her mother died from ovarian cancer. They carry the BRCA gene. So she had a total mastectomy and a hysterectomy as preventive. So we need a, you need a public person who gets the, gets the word out quite a bit and talks about it. The thing with Chris is very, I mean, so many people contacted me when they heard about that. I put it on the Facebook page to let people know I'm aware of it. And we're you know, grateful stage one and she'll be fine. So it takes a big public profile and a ton of money, you yeah. know, for research. Always. It's always my look at breast cancer. No, it's you know, true. Remember back in the day, women died from it. It was a death sentence. Now, look how many women have survived that. So ovarian cancer needs the same public public profile. Teal is the color. Oh, we have this is not television or anything. No, but, but you can always, tell. You can still say. No, yeah. but I always wear my scarves. I sell scarves and earrings and bracelets and pendants. The color teal, because that's the color, national color of ovarian cancer. I always wear it all the time. It's a great color. So people will go, oh, I love it the color. great on you. So it's a double bonus. <laughs> yes. Well, it would look good on you too. It looks good. It happens to be a very good color for a lot of people, but yeah. it does bring a conversation. So I do wear it all the time. You remember when I met you, I had it on. Yes, I don't know if you remember that. Yes. So anytime I go out in public, I, I, I do wear it. And I usually do my nails teal also, but they're not teal now. So 
but taking a break. You are one great marketer, I have, I have to say. Yeah, very well, good at this. So I'm really impressed. Thank you. I walk around selling my stuff, stuff and selling like ovarian cancer awareness. Yes. So. Yes. Well, you you look you wrote me in. I'm here. I'm I'm ready to get involved. So I'm glad to be here. Okay. <laughs> so we're on to the speed round. This is party time, fun time for you. Okay. You ready? I hope so. Yes. <laughs> what does it mean to you to be a warrior woman? So a warrior woman to me is someone that inspires, who motivates, who educates, who makes a difference. That's what I do. That's what my mission is. And that's makes me a warrior woman. So very true. And so your mantra or quote you live by, but you already kind of positivity, always being positive, looking to the the Robin. That was Robin's mantra. I learned that from her. She was always no negatives, always positive. Even when you write, you never write. Don't forget. You always write. Remember. And just something, a little thing like that. So positivity, keep everything positive. That's my mantra. I love it. What makes you feel unstoppable? Well, you know, Robin, she gives me that, that strength and motivation. She's given me a purpose in life because being retired, uh, you need to find something to do. Who knew this was going to be it? But she is with me every single minute of every single day. And she gives me strength and motivation and she does make me unstoppable. And my team, I have to say that the team that surrounds me, I'm very grateful for all that I have around me. So. Absolutely. What are you most proud of? I think of my accomplishments with the Ovarian Cancer Circle, inspired by Robin Babini. I have re- taken myself to a level that I never knew I was capable of. And I am impressed with myself. I'm I'm impressed for sure. And I'm also very grateful for what has happened around me. And I bring people in who support what I do. And I'm truly very grateful for all that has happened and my health, that I've stayed healthy and well and uh, able to do this. Absolutely. Tell me what is exciting you the most right now? You know, my life revolves around so much about the circle and our direction. I just, Dr. Marza Day, she's right now getting a grant to for improved therapies and better treatments to help women once they're diagnosed. I'm very excited about that. That will bring a lot of attention to the circle and hopefully raise more funds. So yeah, so that's what that's what did you do? So you asked me to say the question that yeah, what, so it makes me unstoppable, right? No, no, it was something you were that you're excited, oh, excited about you yeah. the most right now. So you're excited I, about the kind of what's po- the new kind the of progress, research. the progress and the research, and that we will hopefully before I'm gone find a cure for ovarian cancer or like something where a pap or a mammogram or a colonoscopy. Like that's what you get. You go to this, go to your doctor and you get your, you know, your tests. And this is one test. That would be something that would make me beyond excited. It'd be like, I don't have to do this anymore. They found a cure and women will survive. Makes me, that makes me really excited. So you are an incredible 
force. I, I have to say, I was really impressed when you walked right up to me and handed me your card, dressed in your teal scarf, and you told me about Robin. And I'm so glad you came on today because I really didn't know how deadly ovarian cancer was. I didn't know the signs and symptoms. I thought a pap smear could cover it. So I'm really super glad that you came and told me that you wanted to come on because you were right to want to come on. And I'm glad that I'm happy to spread this message and to, you know, raise awareness. I educated, I educated you and we're going to educate all the people that reach your podcast and they can reach out to me. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to put all of your links, everything in the show notes. Anybody can get in touch with you. It can come alongside you, help raise money. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put all that in the show notes, but thank you so much for coming on the show today and telling us about your gorgeous, I'm looking at her picture right now, the most gorgeous girl you've ever seen. So thank you so much for telling us about her and all the work you're doing. And thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to bring awareness and educate and talk about the circle. So I'm glad that we met. There had to be a reason. Like Robin said. Robin Robin obviously did it all. Robin (laughs) obviously brought you to me. That's right. Robin said, there's a reason that this has happened to me. And now we've met and, and now you put me on your podcast and I'm spreading the word. So thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. Thank you everyone for joining us today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star written review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. Remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye. Bye.